Good morning, Harvest. You can take your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here. I'm so glad you are here, and uh, we're ready to dig into God's Word. Uh, So if you don't have a Bible, you'll notice our ushers are coming by. They would love to give you one. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you don't have one at home, uh, would you just take that one with you? That is a gift from us to you. We want you to have it. You can read it, bring it back next week, and we'll just continue to study it, all right? Uh, this, this, this week, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and I just got to say, uh, we had a really big subject. Last week, we were talking about the Holy Spirit, which was a whole lot of fun uh, because there's a lot of opinions on that and people kind of all over the map and different uh, traditions where you're coming from. And this week, it just doesn't get any easier, okay? Uh, so we're talking about roles in marriage and uh, who submits and who leads and all that. Just thank you, Lord. Uh, I actually love that he does that. It's just kind of like we're just getting into the Word of God and he's going to deal with this head on. And uh, so um, I'm really thankful for that. But I got to be honest with you, in my flesh, there was a little bit of of me as I looked in the text this morning. I was like, really, God, can we we just wait on that issue? Can we just like, you know, like a couple years down the road, then then we'll like talk about that. But um, I'm just going to have to trust that this is what the Lord has for us. And there's so much that we want to get to. So Ephesians chapter 5 Uh, Just as a recap, we are looking into the mirror of God's word in Ephesians, and we are seeing who we are in Christ. And so uh, if we're talking about marriage uh, today, then the question that we really need to kind of be wrestling with is, are we seeing here in Harvest Fairfax the kind of marriages that we're seeing here in Ephesians chapter 5, is what we're seeing here, what we're seeing in here. All in favor of uh, following God's word? Are we all in favor of that? All right, let's dive into it then. Ephesians chapter 5, are you there? Verse 21 is where we're going to start here. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Paul says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. That's going to be fun. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. God help us. Um, Thank you for your word that you don't shy away from these things, and this is where we're at. You're meeting us this morning, and I'm trusting as 
We are seeking to be filled with your spirit that we would respond to your word. And we're going to trust that you know best. And so I'm praying that more than anything today, we would see your glory. We would see the beauty of Jesus in your word. And Lord, our, our marriages would reflect your design. And so I pray that it would be very clear today that the messenger is nothing. The message is everything. And this is a message we can trust. We love you, God. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's dive into it, shall we? Here's our big idea this morning. When we fear Jesus, we joyfully embrace our countercultural roles in marriage. I know that's a big, long sentence. Uh, and, and I also realize when we're talking about roles in marriage, the roles that we're going to see are very countercultural. All right, I get that. So only when we fear Jesus are we going to uh, joyfully embrace these countercultural roles. And so here's the deal, guys our relationships in the church, especially in marriage, should look so different from what's normal in marriage. Northern Virginia, that our community is going to be looking at us and they're going to have this puzzled look on their faces and they're going to be asking us three questions, okay? First, they're going to be asking us this, uh, church, why are you happy to put others first? That's our first question this morning. Church, why, why are you happy to put others first? So before we look into the specifics of marriage relationships, Paul's just going to dive into the relationships that we see in the church here in verse 21. Uh, are you there? Can you see it? Verse 21, this is carrying over from the previous text that we looked at last week. Paul says, submitting to one another. Now, that is what we would call mutual submission. You submit, I submit, we all submit to one another. And the word submit is a, a kind of a military term that signified coming under proper authority. Uh, it, it's the Greek word hupotasso. Hupo means under. Uh, tasso means to arrange in order. So it kind of means coming under in an orderly way. Or, or I'm going to put myself under you. I'm going to rank below you. Now, what does that look like? Well, it's opposed to the attitude of uh, I'm above you. We've already seen this in Ephesians chapter 4. You don't have to turn that. I've got it right for it uh, on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4 at the very beginning. He said, I want you to uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Verse 2, um, here it is. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So that attitude of humility is going to reject the I'm above you. I'm better than you attitude. Make sense? In fact, he said in Philippians chapter 2, I know we've looked at this before, Philippians chapter 2, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Meaning, you are better than me. You are more significant than I am, and let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So the attitude that he's talking about is, you before me. I want to look at you and see that you're more important, you're more significant. And so what's crazy is the, the, our community here at Harvest is going to look different than anything that is normal here in Northern Virginia. Can you agree with that? 
I mean, let's just be honest. Common communities around here are filled with people who are all looking out for number one. Like, I've got to make sure that my needs are met. I need, to, I need to make sure that I get what I need and what I want, and I am more important. And this can pretty easily creep into our churches, right? Like that, that we might even come to church, and we might have that same kind of common community attitude. Like, I'm looking out for me. Like, I am happy to be here. I'm happy, to, uh, I'm happy to give of my time. I'll, I'll be a volunteer. I'll even give a little bit of my money as long as, as long as I'm still happy here. As long as people like me or as long as people are nice to me or as long as people are like me. Like they're, they have the same uh, uh, stage of life and they have the same interests that I do, or as long as you have something cool for me or for even for my kids, whether that's babies, preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, college, career, singles, church, speed dating, men's ministry, women's ministry, mothers of preschoolers, homeschoolers, drama team, dance team, ski trips, motherly uh, nights out, uh, elderly bus trips, etc. you name it, you know, oh, oh, and I have to like your music too. Like as long as all those things are met, as long as you're meeting my needs, okay, so, so yeah, I, I get it, that's kind of extreme, but you're, you, you, you know what me church is, right? It's that idea, I'm coming and I'm happy to be here as long as you're making me happy. But, but we're going for uncommon community here at Harvest where it's noticeable that people aren't just here for themselves. They're looking out for the interests of others. They're putting other people first in their life. And you regularly get this sense that people genuinely mean it when they're looking at you and they're like, you are, you are way more important than me. Like, I wanna, I wanna put myself under you and I wanna put you first. I'm just telling you, if we're a part of a community like that, if that's happening in the church, people in our community are gonna sit up and take notice. And they're going to be asking us this question. Church, why are you putting other people first? And why are you happy about it? Well, we have an answer, right? The answer is found in verse 18. It's what we looked at last week. You see it? Verse 18. We are, the answer of why we would happily put others before ourselves is that we are filled with the Spirit. Mutual submission is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. This is actually part and parcel. This comes underneath the evidence here of what it looks like to be controlled by the Spirit. You remember that? When the Spirit is controlling your thoughts and your actions and your reactions, you see it there in verse 19 and verse 20, you see uh, joy and, and thanksgiving and worship bubbling up. And along with that, you can't even help it. Along with that is you're gonna be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's not natural. That is supernatural. And I got to tell you, it was pretty cool. Uh, we were hearing some incredible stories in our small groups last week as, as some of the guys were sharing uh, stories, and I can't share all the details, but they were sharing some, we were thinking about that, being filled with the Spirit, and, and they were sharing stories on how at work they were facing some really, really challenging circumstances, and they found that they were responding to those circumstances completely different than they would normally respond in those situations. That's being filled with the Spirit because the Spirit is controlling their reactions. And I'm just telling you, that doesn't come naturally. So if you want to be selfless and put others first, you're going to have to be filled with the Spirit if you want to joyfully submit to others. And it might be 
easier for you to actually do that uh, with someone sitting next to you in your small group than it is for you to do that with the person that you wake up next to every day of the week. So, I know this is countercultural because it kind of runs against our naturally uh, selfish and prideful hearts. We, we love ourselves. And we naturally look out for number one. But the fruit of living by the Spirit is completely different. We're filled with the Spirit. And then, uh, here's another reason. Uh, we fear Jesus. You, you see it there in verse 21? We fear Jesus because uh, we're submitting to one another out of, you see it? Reverence for Christ. That word reverence is the word fear. And, and I don't mean that, that we think Jesus is like creepy, uh, but, but that we like look at Jesus and we are in awe of him. So anticipation is building because there's a, a new movie coming out this year. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out. I don't know if you've seen this. I'm all on the bandwagon, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, but I saw uh, a video recently of some Star Wars fans who were, um, they, I mean, you know, you know, Star Wars fans, they're like all decked out. You know, they've got like the complete outfit and, uh, and they were taking pictures and they were being photobombed. Did you see this video? They were being photobombed by Mark Hamill. Okay, so what's crazy is you should have seen their reactions. They didn't know you were sitting behind them. You should have seen their reactions when they suddenly realized that Luke Skywalker himself was standing right behind him. We're talking like jaw-dropping awe. And that's kind of what I thought about when, 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 we, when we think about fearing Jesus. And I just got to, like, Luke's awesome. Glad of that. But he's got nothing on Jesus, Okay. What if we were that enamored by the greatness and the love of Jesus that every time we gathered on Sundays in unashamed adoration, every time we brought the word in unapologetic preaching, every time we dropped to our knees in unceasing prayer in our daily time with the Lord in prayer and in his word, every time we spoke his name as unafraid witnesses, our jaw dropped in reverent awe because we realized he is awesome. Jesus is incredible. His name is not just some name we throw around on, on, on Sundays. We have encountered Christ in his word and the spirit who's actually filling us exalts the son. And so the greatness of our risen savior and this, you've got to be kidding me. I cannot believe I get this good news of the gospel that, that instead of his wrath, I get his grace. I get his mercy because of a, I'm a sinner, but I get his love. That pulverizes my selfish pride and it puts me in my proper place. And when I am put in my proper place because I'm in fear of Jesus, I'm in awe of who he is, I'm happy to put you before me because I fear Christ. I'm in awe of him. Not, not, not like terrified, like I'm freaking out. The terror has actually been removed because I realize that he's a God, he, he, he's a savior who is loving and he is kind and he is gracious and merciful and yet he's not just my buddy. There's still this, this incredible sense of he's impressive. He's so impressive that I'm, I'm in awe of him. Do you fear Jesus? Do you fear him? Because if Jesus is just some like uh, flippant or familiar thing to you, um, then you're going to fall back into being focused on yourself and full of pride. 
But, but if he is awesome to me, then what happens is my estimation of myself decreases and my need to be served is replaced by a Christ-like attitude to, I'm happy to come under you. I'm happy to submit to you. I put your needs before my own and put you first. I know you're like, like wait, wait, I, thought, I thought we were talking about marriage today. Like, why, why, we're talking about this in the church. Well, can you, can you see what's happening here? You're not going to be able to see your roles playing out in a way that is honoring to Christ unless we get verse 21. Verse 21 is a shift because one of the biggest stages for displaying the beauty of Christ in mutual submission is in our homes. And so this week we're going to look at marriage. Next week we're going to look at parenting. Uh, but you have to know, Paul is not just going to give you some advice for husbands and wives. What he's trying to do is he's trying to lift our eyes to the one who can change our relationships at home. You have to know, Jesus is the answer for your home. He's the one that makes a difference. The message of the gospel makes a massive difference in your marriage. And the best thing that you can do for the health of your marriage is to get a bigger view of Jesus so that you will fall on your knees in fear and you will put your spouse first before yourself. You're going to submit. And if this is happening, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If we're submitting to one another, putting others before ourselves in the church, people in Northern Virginia are going to be looking at us and they're going to, they're going to be asking this question, why, why, are you, why are you doing that? And we have an answer, don't we? We fear Jesus, that's why. He's incredible. He is awesome. It's actually the same answer for this second question. Wives why are you submitting? Wives, why, why are you submitting? It's entirely possible that they might ask this question with a look of disgust on their face, right? I, I realize that this is not exactly popular, but we're not going to skip this paragraph. Why? Why? Listen, listen I, I've, I have been wrestling with this. Um, ladies, I think of you, you, you are my sisters in Christ. And some of you have an incredible relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I love it. And, and it's awesome for us to, to see that. And, and, and so I'm excited because I want, I want to encourage you with this. This is actually an opportunity and a platform for you to show off how great Jesus is. Because your role in marriage brings glory to Jesus. So here it is, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. So let's just get this down. We have two different roles that we're seeing right here. Um, the wife's role is submission, and the husband's role is to be the head or, or headship. Wives, you have a different role to play in your home. That's going to go over really well at the water cooler this week, isn't it, ladies? <laughs> I get it. Like, okay, I understand this is not popular. Uh, this goes against the grain of our culture. I mean, you think about Capitol Hill. You think about Times Square. You think about Hollywood. You think they're jiving with this? 
No, man, they, they look at this and they're like, throw the Bible out, man. That's backward, old school, unenlightened cultural values that prohibit progress and equality. Let's, let's get rid of that. And, and, and unfortunately, there have been some believers even that, um, I get it, they probably had, I, I know that they had really good intentions, but they've capitulated to the whims of society and they've tried to reconcile uh, what the Bible actually says by downplaying the clear teachings of scripture. So they look at verses like this and they're like, no, 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 it's not, it's not that bad. That's not really what it means. I mean, Paul might've been talking about like what was happening in the first century, but he didn't really mean for us to follow that today. And, and, and like, I get it. I know why they're doing that, but it's not really helpful. This is, uh, well, this is a position of teaching, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to teach you a big word today. Uh, I don't really know why they call it this, but this is egalitarianism, okay? Egalitarianism uh, means no headship. That's, that's what it teaches. And there are those that look at the scriptures, and they say that the Bible teaches there's no headship. There are no differences in the marriage roles, and I'm just telling you, it would have been so much easier for them if Ephesians had stopped at the end of verse 21, right? We're, we're, we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There it is, mutual submission. Everybody has to submit. And I know that, um, I know why they're doing it, but you're gonna have a hard time elevating Christ in the culture if you're diminishing and downplaying his clear commands in scripture. And it's not really that helpful. And we need to be careful that we don't make the emotional and logical fallacy in believing that different roles equal different value. It does not. And that's foolish, okay? Just because you have a different role does not mean that you are any more or less valuable than your spouse. It doesn't mean that. In fact, one of the, the, the best illustrations that we have, and this is actually modeled for us, is the Trinity. Think about the Godhead. We have one God. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. They're equally God. You know what's crazy? We see the Son. We see Jesus, the Son. You know what he does? He submits to the Father. But that doesn't make him any less valuable, does it? As he has a different role to play. God the Father does not become God incarnate and take our sins on himself to the cross. The Son did that. Different role equally God. Husbands and wives, we have to get this down. You have to know this. Before God, we are equal. Do you know that? Come on, lift up your voice. Tell me, before God, we are what? We are equal. But you have a different role to play. Is that okay? You just have a different role to play. Now, ladies, I know that some of you would probably score much higher on an intelligence test than your husband. <laughs> why y'all like look at your husband and like when I say that, like there's gonna be some interesting conversations at lunch today here. Like listen, I get this, okay? When I first got married, uh, Carissa and I, I, I think I'm a, a fairly intelligent, well-read person and then I got married. And, and um, Carissa and I, if, if we were to start a book at the same time, by the time I'm getting to chapter two, she's starting her second book. And I remember like, we got married. I'm like, what in the world? How do you read that fast? It's incredible. I thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, man, I got to go get some like speed reading classes or something. Like, I don't know what's happening until I just realized she's just really smart. That's okay. We're not saying anything to diminish your skills and your abilities. In fact, ladies, you may 
have stronger leadership gifts than your husband does. Your leadership capacity might be greater, but, but God has called him to lead in your home. And your husband desperately needs your help. And God has called you to submit to his leadership. You see in verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I just want you to see what he just did. He pointed you to Jesus. Did you see that? Because what's happening in your marriage is your marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. And we're going to get to uh, looking at what the husband's, how his role models Christ's loving leadership in a minute. But, but, but you have to catch this, okay? When you are playing your role as the wife, you are modeling what it looks like for Harvest Fairfax to willingly submit to Jesus. That's cool. I want you to know, uh, just so we kind of get some clarification on what submission looks like, uh, John Piper and Wayne Grudem in their book, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, have said it this way. Uh, submission refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It is not an absolute surrender of her will. Rather, we speak of her disposition to yield to her husband's guidance and her inclination to follow his leadership. Christ is her absolute authority, not the husband. Okay, so, so, so here's what's happening. Like this, this idea of, of yielding is kind of helpful for us because submission is making a choice to yield to your husband's leadership. So I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to borrow an illustration from Pastor James McDonald because I thought it was really helpful, okay? So let's just imagine that you came across a stop sign. And, and I know that this has happened in you if you've ever driven. Uh, have you ever come across one of those stop signs and you realized everybody has a stop sign? It's one of those four-way stops, you know what I'm talking about? Well, have you, you, you know the feeling when you arrive at a four-way stop at the exact same time as another car. And, and, and there's this moment where you're like, are, are you going, am I going? Like, who's, are, are, are you gonna go first? Like, I'm gonna go, just go, okay, I'll go. Like, you know, you know that feeling? Well, that's kind of what it feels like sometimes in marriage when we come up on one of those crossroads and we're kind of going in different directions, not exactly sure who's going first, who's taking the lead. And, 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 and in that moment, if something doesn't happen, there's going to be a collision. You know what I'm talking about? So uh, I have to help you here because uh, the Bible does not tell us to have a take turns approach, okay? Like you lead first, she leads next, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth, like almost like you've got like a possession arrow in a basketball game, right? Like, like no, he got, the, he got the lead the last time, so it's her turn now. Like, no, that's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible does say? Here, here's, here's the role, ladies, um, can you lift up your voice and say it? What, is, what does the Bible say? In that moment, in that moment, what he is calling you to is to yield to your husband's leadership, especially at that point of potential conflict. When the decision needs to be made at the end of the day, this is what you do. So instead of like running into each other, you're, you're okay, you go, I'll follow, I'll follow you. That's, that's what it means to yield. Now, let me clarify real quick. 
you do not, do not have to submit to all men. Okay? What does the text say? You're submitting to your own husband. Okay? Not submitting to all men. But you do need to yield to your husband's leadership in the home. And you obviously do not follow him into sin. Okay, where it is blatantly obvious that he is going against the direct commands of Scripture. Now be careful because I realize we can come up with all sorts of biblical reasons for why my, my, my way should work better. And Let's be careful. But if your husband is asking you to go and violate Scripture, we're saying, I uh, can't go there. Not, not, not doing that. Not doing that. But, but in all other instances, um, you do yield to him even if the direction that he's wanting to go and the decisions that he's making are not what you think are best. This is what he's asking you to do. And can I just say, I think it's pretty obvious, if you are doing that, our culture is going to be asking, why are you doing this? Why, why would you submit? And we have an answer, don't we? Because we fear Jesus. Look at, look at what it says, verse 22. Uh, you're submitting to your own, own husbands as to the Lord. You are in awe of Jesus and you are submitting to Him. Listen, your husband has the responsibility to take the lead. It says he is the head. Do you know what that means? It really means his head is on the chopping block. It's not a right, okay? It's kind of foolish for him to think and to act as though that's a right. It's a responsibility. We'll get to him in just a moment. But you have to understand his responsibility is to lead. Your responsibility and, and can I say your opportunity is to trust Jesus and to submit to the leadership of your husband. Now, verse 23, uh, he's pointing us again to Jesus because here it is. Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And can I just say, I think you would all agree, Jesus does a great job leading his church. Amen? He's a good leader. And if I could do anything for you ladies, what I've wanted so badly all week as I'm thinking about, I want to elevate Jesus in your eyes so that you would see and know you can pray and trust him. You can trust him. And I know that the hardest part in all of this is you're going to, as you're following Jesus, you're going to look at your husband and there's going to be a lot of days where he doesn't look anything like Jesus, but you're following Jesus and you're trusting him. You can trust him. In fact, you can entrust your husband to him as well. And so what this means is it's going to drive you to your knees before our heavenly father. And you're going to be praying for God to work in your husband's life so that he will become a godly leader who is Filled with the Spirit. And yielding may put you in a more vulnerable position in the home, but that's why he's pointing us to Christ. And can I just say, ladies, like, like we know this is not easy. And we also know, I think I can speak for all the guys, we're kind of intimidated by you, okay? You are incredible at what you do. And if you wanted to, you could easily run us over in leadership. We get that. But when you're violating God's commands and like, I can't trust this guy. I ain't doing this. And like, uh, uh, we're, we're going to, it doesn't, doesn't work out the way you think it's going to. And when you are yielding in submission, you choose instead to trust Jesus. 
You know what's going to happen? People in Northern Virginia are going to start to ask this third question. Husbands, why are you loving? Verse 23, there, there it is. The husband is the head of the wife. So, uh, men, your role is to be the head. You have a responsibility to lead. It's a responsibility. It's not a right, okay? It, it's not a right. Um, but, but here's uh, how the head works. I, I, could pick, I picked a scenario. Let's just, uh, for a minute, uh, imagine that we're trying to decide who gets control of this for the evening. Uh, I'm, I was trying to pick like a, a really like, you know, simple thing. I know I probably should have picked a little less provocative illustration, but let's just go with it for a minute. I realized like when, when Carissa and I first got married, we, uh, we had worked out this system where um, every other night we, I would pick, she would pick the movie first and then the next night I would pick the movie. We kind of like go back and forth. So we, you know, go from like, you've got mail to gladiator, right? You're pouring out your hearts to blood and guts and things like that. And it just kind of worked out. But let's just imagine that you forgot whose turn it is and you're trying to determine who gets control of the remote this evening. Now, um, what is, ladies, ladies, what is the uh, biblical role? What is it? What is it? Now, the guys are just hoping right now that I'm about to give them biblical justification for why the man of the house always gets control of the remote. But uh, verse 25, what does it say? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So now we're starting to get the full picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church. And look at what Jesus did. He, uh, you see it? He gave himself up for her. Not demanded to be served. Not demanded what was rightfully his. No, Jesus was self-sacrificing. So even though he's the head of the church, there's no like, I'm the king of the castle. I get to call the shots. I get to do what I want to do. I make the rules and you got to submit. No, 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 no. This king came down and he picked up a basin and he picked up a towel and he got down on his hands and knees and he did the dirtiest job that was there. He served and then he took your sins upon his back and he bore them on the cross. That's what the servant does. And so here's what we get to do as the head, guys. We get to serve. We're going to sacrifice See verse 21, remember that? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You submit to your wife. You say, how am I supposed to lead? No, 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 you're not following her. You're leading the way in that. You submit. You're saying like, you go first. You before me. We're gonna do what you want. Like, you are more significant. You are more important. And here's, here's how this is going to happen. You're like, you're, you're wrestling over this, right? And, and most of the time, uh, because your wife fears Jesus, she's, she's going to be yielding to your leadership. Like, okay, fine. That's, that's the direction we're, we're going to go. Uh, I'll follow your lead. But here's, here's, like, can we just say, most of the time when we come up on here, we're going to be able to work this out. We're going to be able to come to a point of agreement. But there are times where we're not coming to a point of agreement. That's where your wife is putting up the yield sign and she's going to follow your leadership but as the husband, because we are submitting to her and her needs, and we're putting her before ourselves, we're going to say, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. You go. We're, we're following you. We're, 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 I want what's best for you. 
We're going to do what you want here. You're not following her. You're leading the way in submission and servanthood. So there are times, and this does not happen very often, okay? There are times where you're going to have to make the decision. You have the responsibility. And so you're going to listen to your wife. You want her input. If you have any wisdom at all, you want her input. And you want her giftedness and you want that involved. But there may be times where she is not in full agreement and she doesn't completely understand. But before the Lord, you know that he is directing you to lead her this way. And that's where she will have to submit. It does not happen very often. But there are times where you may have to lead in that way. But most of the time, you're always saying, you first. And your leadership cannot be characterized by domineering decision-making, but by servant-hearted sacrifice. Pastor Jason Mayer uh, has given us this chart. I think it's really helpful. Uh, we've already talked about uh, egalitarianism here. That, that's, that's the no headship camp, right? We actually find ourselves right here in the middle. This is what we would call complementarianism. This is servant-hearted headship. And then Jason has, has done this. He's uh, kind of uh, coined this phrase, uh, this other category, which I think is helpful for us, hyper-headship. That's self-serving lordship, okay? The reason that you have a problem is not because of God's design. The reason you have a problem is because of hyper-headship. We're not about this, okay? You have to understand, hyper-headship is an absolute danger and disgrace to the cause of Christ, and we have to stand against this in the church. We are not in favor of it, and we're also not going to turn a blind eye to it if we see it. Men, men, you do not have a right to lord over your wife or put her and abuse her in a position of vulnerability. That is self-centered and it bears the marks of Satan, not Jesus. We're not going to stand for that here in the church. You will answer to God for how you lead. But your role instead is we're going to serve. Okay, what we call complementarianism because when we're playing our roles as husbands and wives biblically, they actually complement one another. And what happens is we start to paint this beautiful picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. I'm putting her knees before my own. I want what's best for her. And so I, uh, it says, here's the command. Love your wife. And you do that by giving yourself for her. Now, get, guys, I get it. I know that in the middle of the night, if there's an intruder that comes in, there is no question what you're going to do. I know that you're going to stand up and take a bullet. That's kind of ingrained in us. That's what we do as men. We die. I get it. I know that you would gladly and willingly give your life and die for your wife. But would you give up the remote? Would you turn off the game and do the dishes? Will you spend as much time and energy on the romance in your marriage as you do pursuing success in your career? Will you submit to her? Will you lead as a servant and place yourself under her, elevating her needs and her desires before your own? I'm telling you guys, when we lead this way, people in Northern Virginia are going to sit up and take notice. And they're going to be asking, wives, why are you submitting? Husbands, why are you loving? How in the world does this work? And the answer, of course, is that we fear Jesus. We love him. 
We're in awe of him. Look how he leads. Look what he does, verse 26. Christ is doing this that he might, uh, he's going to sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing of the water with words so that he might present, I love this, present the church, that's us, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I love that Jesus is getting us ready for that wedding day. He's cleaning us up and he's making us more beautiful, more mature, so he can present us to himself for his glory. We're going to bring God glory the more we look like Christ. And so, men, are you leading your wives spiritually in this way? Are you helping lead her so that she's growing in maturity in her relationship with Jesus? She shouldn't have to be the one that's always suggesting, like, hey, maybe we should go to church. Maybe we should try some family devotions. Maybe we should pray. Maybe we should go to small group tonight. Come on, bro, that's your job. Lead her. Is your wife more like Jesus today because she's following your lead or in spite of your failure to lead her spiritually? We have this responsibility. We want our wives to know Christ. I just got to say, I like, I'm not harping on you. I am. I want this. I want to see this. Act like men. But I love that I actually see men in harvest leading their wives spiritually. And it gives me great hope that we can be a healthy church because we have healthy homes where the men are leading and they're doing it as servants who love their wives because they fear Jesus. We're going to lead them spiritually. And then verse 28 and 29 says uh, that husbands, you need to love your wife as your own body. Who loves his wife loves himself or no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. So are you protecting? Are you taking care of your wife? And we're talking spiritually, physically, emotionally. You provide for her. You're, you're the, the cover. You're covering her with protection so that she senses that comfort. You're spending yourself so that she is filled up and she knows, even emotionally knows, that you treasure her. You put your phone down and you pick your head up and you look her in the eyes and you talk with her and you listen to her and you care about what's going on in her world more than about what's going on in your world. I only sound like I'm an expert in that because I'm really learning that one the hard way, okay? We're, we're learning this together. And Carissa and I are learning verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So even when I feel disrespected, even when I don't feel like she's playing her role and, and she's belittling me, she may, I, I, if, if, if that were even happen, if I don't feel respected, I'm still going to respond how Christ wants me to, in love, in a way that's meaningfully loving to her. Why? Because I fear Jesus. And even when she feels unloved, Because she fears Jesus, she's going to respond in a way that's meaningfully respectful. I was thinking about it, and I just have to say, I am incredibly thankful for my beautiful wife. Like, I love being here. You just have to know, I love 
being here. I love, it's, it's awesome getting to be a pastor. I love you guys. I love getting to be a part of a church where it, the church is growing and, and God's at work. That's awesome. But I am, I had a conversation with her this week and I'm not blowing smoke when I say this. I'm just absolutely 100% convinced I would not be here if God had not put her into my life. And I was trying to, I was trying to think about um, the imagery for how God has used her. And I think God put Carissa into my life because she is that uh, hand in mine. And there have been many times where my headstrong, ready to charge, want to take that mountain or, or like change my mind and chasing the wind. And, and, and I don't even know how she does it, but, but she has this awesome and wonderful ability to, to just humbly and wisely and even respectfully uh, give just a squeeze of my hand to keep me from running out into the street and making a mess of my life. And there've also been times where I'm like, we, we come along that crossroads and I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not sure, should we go? Is this like, I, I think this is the way we ought to go. Like, and, 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 and that gentle squeeze of her hand just reassures me like, go. And I'm right there with you. We're here because she fears Jesus. And so she's joyfully embraced her role so well. And we're not, like, we're not perfect. We're still working at this. But I, I realize you may have more questions and conversations going to be ongoing, but here's the bottom line. Jesus changes everything. When we look around at the pathetic portrayals of marriages around us and the abuses of leadership, the power plays, we, I, I get it. We have a problem accepting this idea of submission and headship until, until, we see Jesus hanging on the cross for us in love and we realize that's the idea. And that's what we're going for. And I'm just praying that our eyes would be lifted to him, that we would see him. And that the marriage is a harvest would begin to reflect that. Sacrificing love and joyful willingness to submit. It's going to make Jesus look great in our community. Amen? I think it would be appropriate then for us to take communion together and remember what Jesus has done. We have an opportunity as the band comes. We, we have an opportunity uh, once a month. Just remember these things. And we want to take a moment and just kind of get our hearts right before the Lord and say thank you to Jesus for what he's accomplished for us. And we want to lift his name high. And so in just a moment, I, I want you to, you, you spend a little time preparing your heart. And then we've got bread, we've got juice down here you can come and take. I would encourage you, if you've not trusted in Jesus for salvation, we just ask you not to do that. It's not wise or safe to say that you believe something that you really don't. But if Jesus is your Savior, then we want to lift him high and remember what he's accomplished for us. And so, in just a moment, as we worship, you can come. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, 
Thank you so much for your word. We're, we're just have to trust you on this. And these are weighty matters. And these are not easy. But Lord, what an awesome thing that we have an opportunity to portray your love for the church and to portray the church's willing submission and excitement to follow you. God, I'm just praying that our relationships are going to reflect this for your honor, for your glory. God, we praise you. Thank you so much that you went to the cross in our place. You are the perfect spotless lamb and we lift you high and exalt you. We want you to get the glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.